We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Kicks for Pace, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Hosted by Alex Blevin and Andrew Freeman on Overtime Media. Welcome to Picks for Pace, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by The Bear Report. My name is Andrew Freeman, and of course, I'm joined by my co-host, Alex Blethyn. Alex, it's an exciting time here in the offseason period. A lot of rumors swirling around uh, the NFL as we speak. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. The, uh, the combine always fires me up. It's funny because as a kid, when I was a younger NFL fan it would always piss me off because we'd we'd watch these college kids all year long and then all of a sudden everyone would stop playing football and the boards would move a lot and that, that wouldn't make sense to me because I figured well we already saw how good or bad they are why does it matter how fast they run but in the end the combine does make a huge impact on your ability to to make take the next step to the big level so it's always fun to just see the question marks that you have on players, see whether or not they can beat them or if they fall short like you expected. Yeah, it's the classic saying, uh, you know, it's the underwear Olympics, so to speak, for all these uh, college players coming to the Combine. And that's going to be the focus of this podcast for us today. Uh, we are recording this episode on Tuesday, February 25th. So we're in the midst of the NFL scouting combine here that is currently taking place this week in Indianapolis, Indiana. And, you know, I definitely get what you're saying there. You know, we have all these games of film and all these players, and then it just seems like 140 time can be the difference between being a, a mid-round guy that no one really thinks of to, boom, now that guy's a first-round pick. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a very interesting time of the year. Uh, as far as this episode goes, 
Uh, we will be discussing some of the major storylines and players that we will definitely will be keeping an eye on for this week at the Combine, who we expect to stand out testing-wise, and who we think will need to have a good showing in order to raise their draft stock. Uh, and there's also been some news for the Bears as well in terms of some roster moves in the past couple of weeks. In addition to Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy finally getting the chance to speak to the media once again for the first time since their end-of-the-season press conference back in January. So we look forward to breaking down all of this information here. But first, before we get into that, we're going to take our first break of the show with a quick word from our sponsor. The Old West is an iconic period of American history. I'm Chris Wimmer. Join me on the Legends of the Old West podcast to hear the true stories of lawmen like Wyatt Earp, Bass Reeves, and the Texas Rangers, outlaws like Jesse James and Butch and Sundance, and Native American battles of the Lakota, Comanche, and Apache. We use cinematic storytelling and sound design to bring these stories and many more to life. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. Uh, before we get into the Combine talk, I think we would be remiss not to talk about some of the moves that have occurred over the past couple of weeks for the Bears, what they've done to uh, kind of tweak this roster a little bit going into the Combine. I think first we have to start off with the recent news in the past couple of days with the release of Prince Mukamara and Taylor Gabriel. Uh, this, these two moves here saved the Bears approximately $13.5 million in cap space. So right now they're up to around 26, 27 million, according to most websites around the internet. You know, Alex, we've been talking about this a little bit. We kind of expected Amukamara and Gabriel to be moved or released at some point this offseason. Uh, what are your thoughts on these roster moves? Yeah, um, I expected both to be gone, or I expected both to their cap hits to be gone. I did expect a little bit of a different route with these because I thought that Taylor Gabriel would have a bit of a trade market. So I thought maybe we'd be able to pick up a fifth round uh, comp pick for Taylor's services. But obviously there's not much movement going around now and the Bears probably just wanted the, the cap space to be able to participate in some of the talks that go on during the combine. So that happened and then... Um, Mukamara, I I thought that maybe it was going to be more of a restructuring rather than a cut, but you know, the Bears have some holes to fill and they have some they need some cap to fill it. So they were both two smart moves. I didn't expect them to go exactly the way they did, but you know, it's it's going to make the Bears a better football team, and that's what matters. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think with the Mukamara thing. You know, with with Prince, you know, I feel like, you know, he was a very solid for the Bears the past couple of seasons, a very good leader in the locker room for this team, which they definitely needed. But at this point, if the Bears are going to be spending a lot of money this offseason, I think it has to go towards the offensive side of the ball. And I think when you look at their roster on defense right now, you know, they, they signed Trey Roberson from the CFL a couple of weeks ago. They have Kevin Tolliver, who was solid in relief of – Prince of Mucamero late in the season. So I think it makes sense for the Bears to go a little bit cheap at that position and, and see what they have this upcoming year because, you know, it, it, while it would be great to have two great cornerbacks um, on this defense, I think there's a lot of talent on this unit overall already to where 
Uh, if they can get away with maybe a lesser player at that uh, number two boundary corner spot, you know, I think they can get away with it. And I, I agree with the Taylor Gabriel thing where I feel like there sh should have been or could have been a trade market for him. But I think uh, it's also important to point out that, you know, by releasing them now, now they kind of get a head start in terms of, you know, getting to look at teams in free agency as well, which is always nice uh, for mm -hmm. the players to get a little bit more time to uh, get their options out there and, and see what's available to them. Yeah, it definitely could have been just a, a service to the players and even perhaps letting them know maybe in Amukamara's case that if the, if the market's not what they like, maybe they could settle in on a cheaper deal. Uh, with Chicago but yeah I agree with you we have plenty of depth at corner and I think um, I I expect us to use a draft pick on a corner uh, I don't know if Pace have, has had a draft where he hasn't selected a cornerback so that's somewhere where I could see us bringing in another young guy and having really Tolliver and uh, Trey Roberson compete for that last spot and as well as developing another young guy behind whether it be Duke Shelley or well it be, whether it be a another person who would get drafted in the 2020 draft yeah and they could also bring in another veteran on a on a vet minimum deal as well to bring mm -hmm. competition there um there's a lot of options I think that the Bears can go at cornerback but I do expect them to save a little bit of money at that position uh, but th speaking of some veteran help this offseason the Bears made another interesting move uh, with signing Demetrius Harris, who was on the Cleveland Browns this past season but was cut by them to save them some cap space. He's a tight end. Uh, they signed him to a one-year deal. We haven't heard about the particulars in terms of his cap hit, what his salary is, signing bonus, any of that stuff. So uh, we really don't know any of that aspect of the contract. We do know it's a one-year deal. I would assume that it's a vet minimum or near that level of number. But it's interesting about Harris, you know, he has his own experience with Nagy in their time together at Kansas City. Uh, both were in Kansas City for a three-year period there uh, together. He's a very interesting player. He can play the U tight end position or the Y. In fact, it was confirmed by Pace at the press conference at the Combine that they expect Harris to play that Y position for them. And it's interesting here because Harris, while he didn't put up any big stats in Cleveland, he had more receptions, more yards, and more touchdowns than all Bears tight ends combined in 2019, which is, you know, very sad to see the state of the Bears tight end position last season uh, with those statistics there. Yeah, I mean, it's – I think that this is more of a sign that Adam Shaheen is no longer on the roster, and ideally uh, Harris comes into 2020 as our tight end number three. And be, with his huge size and athleticism, I mean, he was a Division One basketball player at UW-Milwaukee. And if if he's our tight end three, I think we're in good shape. If he's our tight end two, I think we have a little bit of trouble. If, we're, if he's our tight end one, we're screwed. So <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because if Burton's healthy, bump down the Jeff chart. If we uh, make a move in free agency and bring in another one, then I would love to have uh, Harris as my tight end number three, just as a big steady blocker who is also a receiving threat, kind of what we hoped Deion Sims would be. Mm -hmm. That would be great. Yeah, that, that would be the ideal scenario, I think. And 
you know, it'll be interesting to see how this move kind of indicates what their plan is in the free agency and in the draft. Because I think it's very possible with the fact that they're still paying Trey Burton a pretty hefty contract for a tight end that they might opt to play it a little bit cheaper at that tight end position this offseason and maybe bring in some veteran competition on a one-year deal maybe. Maybe a guy like a Tyler Eifert, who we talked about in our previous episode, you know, not tie up too much money into that position and see that, you know, hopefully Trey Burton can get healthy and see if they can get anything from him. Uh, maybe a little bit of competition uh, from another veteran will help push him a little bit. Um, and then, you know, Harris, if he can be a solid contributor, you know, I, I like that sign for the Bears. I think he adds a blocking element, which is definitely needed, especially in the running game, because the Bears got, I mean, geez, their blocking at the tight end position was woeful, as as well as, you know, their run blocking in general this past season. So I, I like the move. It's not going to make too big of a difference, I don't think, but uh, it's definitely a positive towards adding a little bit more talent to this tight end room and raising the floor just a little bit. Yep. No, I agree with that. And then in terms of, you know, not necessarily roster moves that have gone on, but in terms of some rumors and storylines that have been floating around the NFL, we've talked about it quite a bit here on this podcast that, uh, you know, we look forward to hopefully Derek Carr being an option for the Bears this offseason in the trade market or in the free agent market if the Raiders decide to move on from him this offseason. Now, while it's been heavily rumored for a while that that might be the case, um, it's starting to look more and more like there might be some legitimacy to these rumors of Derek Carr possibly being moved from the Raiders um, instead of it just being that typical smokescreen that we see at this point of the season before the new league year starts and every single team is trying to kind of hide their intentions of what they're going to do this offseason. Yeah, no, I I kind of thought that all year that it was a Gruden doesn't want car. So let's make up a bunch of rumors, but now it seems like there's actually some substance. If with Phillip rivers ending up being available and Tom Brady, who knows what's going on with him. If both of them are available, perhaps one can come to, to Vegas and that would really open up uh, their car to potentially be moved. And, yeah, that was both of our dream candidate to take over at quarterback this year. So it would be something to look for. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, it's I've been, you know, trying to get as much information about this as possible. You know, I don't want to get my hopes up necessarily because it's very possible that this could all be a smokescreen and uh, we're kind of just, you know, talking about this for no reason at the end of the day. Um, but it does seem like to me from what I've been seeing from – NFL insiders around the league from what I've been seeing from guys that are well-connected within that Raiders organization that Gruden and Mayock, but especially Gruden because he has eight years left on that contract. You know, he's not the biggest fan of Derek Carr as his starting quarterback long-term. You know, he wants to get a veteran upgrade, particularly with Tom Brady this offseason. That looks like that is definitely legitimate at this point. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's looking towards his draft to maybe get a potential successor long-term with one of those two first-round picks. You know, we talked about Jordan Love quite a bit as maybe a guy who needs some time on the bench for a couple of years to sit and learn and kind of work on some of the fundamental aspects of the game to get better. You know, that would be a perfect situation for a guy like Jordan Love to go to a situation where he's got an offensive-minded coach and John Gruden. 
He gets to sit behind a veteran for a couple of years to kind of help in his development. Um, you know, I could definitely see that happening for the Raiders this offseason and it opens up a giant can of worms for the Bears. You know, it's, it's, it's weird because we've heard a lot of indication that Pace may not want to move on from Trubisky just yet, but if Derek Carr is available in the trade market, I think that's something that the Bears have to jump on. Um, definitely have to jump on if they're going to look to improve and actually be competitive next season in 2020. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. And people say that we don't have enough draft capital, which we don't. But that's if if there's another quarterback, we know that they can't afford to pay two. And not that many teams are in win win now mode and also lacking quarterback. So it'd be a big pickup from the Bears. The only team we'd probably be competing with I that I could think of would be the uh, the Broncos, but the Broncos just did the same thing with Flacco last year, and I don't know if they'll be willing to bite the bullet two years in a row. Yeah, and they, they also have Drew Locke as well, who showed some things late in the season, so they might be willing mm-hmm. to just let Drew Locke develop and see if he can be the guy as their starter next year. Uh, it, it's definitely interesting. There's a lot of things to talk about. I think with a, a, a trade for car scenario – you know, in that situation there where they do sign a Brady or a Bridgewater or maybe a Jameis Winston, Phillip Rivers, you know, all these quarterbacks are going to be on the market this year. Um, you know, it would give the Raiders very little leverage, I think, in that situation, which definitely is a good a good spot to be in for the Bears because they might not be, you know, they might not have to actually give up one of their second-round picks. They could, you know, try to swindle their fourth-round comp pick, for, for example, or a future conditional pick. Um, and maybe that might be the value that the Raiders are looking for in that situation. Um, it's interesting to talk about for sure. And, you know, it, it's something that we're not, really not going to know until the next couple of weeks here before the new league year officially starts in mid-March. Yeah, I mean, it's, it reminds me of the, um, the Josh Rosen trade because Josh Rosen – when he was getting rumored that potentially Kyler Murray would replace him, all the NFL experts were saying, oh, it's going to take a first-round pick. It's going to take a first-round pick. And that's what everyone was saying until the Cardinals actually selected Kyler Murray. And then all the NFL teams knew that the Cardinals had no leverage. And they ended up only getting the 62nd overall pick in return for him. And that's that's an underwhelming – return for a guy that you traded up into the teens for the year earlier. Yeah, no, you're exactly right there. I, I, I did not make that connection at first, but it, it definitely makes sense, especially, you know, Josh Rosen didn't really work, hasn't really worked out in Miami so far, but in terms of the process that Miami went about, you know, going after Josh Rosen, they got a really good deal in terms of value there to go after and take a chance on a guy like Josh Rosen, you know, only a second round pick for a potential franchise quarterback and his rookie contract, I mean, you take that in day of the week. And, you know, with a guy like Derek Carr, you know, he's not spectacular. He's not necessarily a true franchise quarterback that can carry your team. But for what the Bears need right now and going into the future, you know, he would be a very good fit as kind of that Alex Smith guy for the next few seasons until they could get a true franchise quarterback that could carry them going into the future. So we're going to get – a transition here into the combine real quick but before we get into the combine we're going to take another quick break for another word from our sponsor 
and we're back here at Picks for Pace. We just had ourselves a nice little tangent talking about Derek Carr. I mean, it's one of the advantages of this offseason period, but now we're officially moving on to the focus of this episode, which is the scouting combine this week. And right now, with this being on Tuesday, uh, the player workouts don't start officially until February 27th on Thursday, but the players are there in Indianapolis right now. They're meeting with the media. They're meeting with teams. Uh, they're also doing their measurements, weight measurements, height measurements, hand size, all that stuff that's important at this point in the season. Um, but we're not going to actually see these guys on the field um, until that February 27th period. So before we get into some of the players that we want to take a good look at this week, uh, you know, we've had some press conferences earlier today from the Bears and all the other NFL teams that are at the Combine. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of interesting set, things said by Pace and Nagy today at their press conference today. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, I think we should probably be taking everything they say with a little bit of a grain of salt. Um, what are your thoughts, Alex? On what yeah, definitely. Um, the two main things that were echoing around Bears Twitter were during Pace's press conference. The first thing was he said that, as of right now, Mitch Trubisky is our 2020 starter, which, of course, you have to say that when he's the only quarterback currently on the roster. So as of right now, yes, he's, he's the starter. He also said that he wanted more competition, and he also said that um, he's not committed to extending Trubisky's fifth-year option. And the interesting part was when he was questioned about that, he said that um, it's he goes through it chronologically, and it's not the time. The due date isn't there yet. But the year previous with Leonard Floyd, he already exercised the fifth-year option in early January. So while he's saying he's, it's chronologically now, I think he's more so just seeing if a good option like Derek Carr or if someone drops in the draft that he likes that sort of thing. If he stumbles into another quarterback, I think we take one. If not, I don't know if we're willing to go out and be a big spender in free agency, though. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. That's kind of the takeaway that I got from his comments there. It, it seems like, like you said, with Leonard Floyd, even at the postseason press conference last season, he said right away when asked about Leonard Floyd that, you know, we're going to be extending his fifth-year option. That's not a question for us. That's definitely going to happen. And he's been a lot more tentative about that, I feel like, in this offseason period. He is not committed one way or another. Or another. Um, you know, for me, just reading into it, I don't think he extends Trubisky's fifth-year option at this point. I, I do not see that happening at this rate. Uh, I think Pace is, you know, it's, it's possible that, like you said, you know, Trubisky is the only starter on the roster right now. You never know what's going to happen. Um, you never know who's going to be available to them in the draft. So there's a lot of moving variables at this point. So it makes no sense for Pace to full out and come out and say that, oh, we're definitely looking to move on from, from Trubisky. We're, you know, we're very disappointed in him. We're, we're just going to move on and turn the page there. No, it would make no sense there because if they don't make a move at quarterback this offseason because if, if there's nothing available to them that they like or that they can afford, you know, now you've just badmouthed your – quarterback that you traded up for just a few years ago who's been the starter for you the last three years and 
that's going to look very bad when he's going to have to be your de facto starter anyway going into training camp next year. So, you know, I think Pace, it sounds like from what, I, what I'm reading into it here that he's going to look for any option this offseason to, to uh, try to upgrade that position and um, not try to commit to any anything as, as at this point because, like you said, you just never know at this point what's going to happen in this offseason. There, there, there's just so much going on right now with the quarterback market that uh, it's just really hard to predict at this point. Yeah, and even possibly the biggest thing regarding this fifth-year option is the new CBA that's going on because currently if we extended Trubisky's fifth-year option, assuming he doesn't have an injury, next season we could cut him for zero cap penalty. But part of the things the players are asking for in the new CBA is for all fifth-year options to be fully guaranteed. And then you don't want to be stuck carrying a 20-plus million-dollar bag on Trubisky if you thought that it wasn't going to be guaranteed at the time you extended it. Yeah, I've been reading into that as well. It sounds like the new CBA will not affect this year's fifth-year option, which I think would – definitely be beneficial for the bears in this situation but that's another reason why i don't think the bears are going to uh you know extend his fifth year option this year because has trubisky proven that he can be healthy i mean that's been a major question for him the last couple years he's missed time uh in each of the last two seasons and he just had off-season shoulder surgery which i think in this case if if the same thing would have happened again next season where he's having surgery in the off-season recovering from injury that would mean that he's on the books then for that fifth-year option and that it would be oh, true. So um, that's, that's why I don't think – I don't think Pace is going to, you know, extend that fifth-year option because Trubisky, one, he hasn't been good on the football field, and two, he just hasn't proven that he can be healthy for a 16-game season to where you can feel confident that he absolutely, you know, will be healthy at this point next season to where, you know, they can get out of that fifth-year option. Uh, at that point in the year so it it's it's interesting and you know it's it's going to be a tough decision though because you know Pace put it all in the line to move up and get Trubisky and it's backfired on him so far we'll see how he turns out there but yeah after reading his comments and kind of uh, thinking about it here I I, it's tough it's it's a tough Mm -hmm. decision and at this point, I'm in, I'm in the camp that he's probably not going to extend that fifth-year option at this point. We'll, we'll see. No, I'd it, agree with you. We'll definitely see how it plays out. Um, speaking of injuries and off-season uh, surgeries for these players for the Bears, uh, he's also said in this, pro, in this press conference that Anthony Miller, Roquan Smith, Trey Burton, and Akeem Hicks should be full go for training camp. Um, you know – I, I would say I believe him for all of them except Trey Burton because he said the same thing last year, and we just saw that Trey Burton was never able to get healthy, uh, even extending into the season. So um, that's a good sign for me, I think, for Miller, Smith, and Hicks at this point. But I'm still at a wait-and-see approach with Burton in terms of his health. Yeah, and it's it's kind of scary just knowing that uh, those four in Trubisky are the ones that had the off-season surgeries, and those are four of the most important players to this Bears team. So we we can't have what happened to Trey Burton have happen to any of those guys. If so, our the Bears' future isn't as bright as we expect for 2020. 
Yeah, especially with Hakeem Hicks because we saw that once Hicks went down, the, the defense, all their focus went towards – well, the offense, opposing offenses, all their focus went towards Mack and took him out of the game for large stretches of the season. And uh, it just made them a less dynamic unit. So hopefully those guys are all healthy going to the training camp. But at least at this point, it all, it all looks pretty positive at, at this point. Oh, yeah. So that's, yeah. That, that's all you can hope for at this point. And another interesting thing I saw out of those press conferences was uh, Pace was talking about Corderell Patterson, and they were asking about how he would impact the offense because he really didn't get the ball as much as I thought he was going to, especially with the contract he received. But Pace said that he could see Patterson getting a lot of looks or or a chance to compete at that uh, running back number three position. And I think that's something that would be extremely helpful because it could keep Patterson on the team and also make him worth the contract because just special teams wise, he's not worth the contract while he is a pro bowler. You need more than that to be paying a guy five and a half million dollars a year. But if you have him being a wide receiver five and a running back three as well, kind of combining the roles of our old Josh Bellamy and Benny Cunningham, then that really does add up and make a bigger impact than you'd think. Yeah, honestly, any way to keep Patterson on the roster, I think the Bears had to explore this offseason because he's such an important player for their special teams unit, both in terms of the kickoff return and as a gunner. And he just brings a lot of energy, I think, that this team really needs, especially when they went through some of those tough times last season. He was kind of that guy that was – a spark plug for this team. So mm-hmm. getting more touches at running back is something that I think would be very interesting. And in terms of how that affects the draft, I think it would reduce the need to draft a guy late in the late rounds, even though I think it would definitely be nice, you know, to get a little bit more depth at that running back position. But, you know, they have a guy like Patterson who can be flexible with how you use him on offense as either a wide receiver or a running back. Uh, that's very valuable, I think, especially for, you know, for a coach like Nagy who loves his gadget guys, who loves to get players the ball in space, uh, explosive playmakers the ball in space, you know, Patterson's a good fit for that. And, you know, any way to get him the ball and more involved in offense, I'm all for it because he's a very good player. And, you know, I, I, I really hope that they find a spot for him on this team for next season because uh, he was a very fun player to watch this last year. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And he had, uh, I believe he had the fastest uh, top speed on a touchdown this season, which in a league where Tyree Kill is considering going and trying out for the Olympics, that's that's an impressive feat for Quadrell Patterson, who's built like a middle linebacker. Yeah, we've been talking about a little bit in this, in this podcast here that, you know, the Bears need some speed for this offense next season, if they're going to kind of try to replicate what Kansas city has going over the past few seasons, because Kansas city is kind of constructed. They, well, they are constructed like a track team, you know, mm-hmm. and the bears don't really have that type of speed on this roster. So having a guy like Patterson who has that athletic ability and that explosiveness, that's very valuable for this offense. And, you know, I hope in terms of looking towards the drafts and this combine that, you know, there's some guys that are available for the bears, especially in the second round there that could even add a little bit more explosiveness to this offense, because that's something that this team desperately needs uh, to add. Even going back to 2018, they weren't, they weren't really explosive. So, uh, you know, keeping 
a guy like Patterson on this roster and finding more ways to get him involved, that's going to be a good thing. But even adding more explosiveness to this group, uh, that's that's something that should be a priority, I think, for the Bears in this draft as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and that speaking of this draft, that kind of takes us to the combine itself and some of the players that we're going to be watching out for this week as the uh, workouts and some of those take place over the next few days. Um, before we get into players that we're going to be watching this week, it, sh- it should be noted that there are some big-name prospects that will not be working out. Uh, you know, look at some of the big ones here, Joe Burrow, Chase Young, and Tua Tagovailoa. Those are kind of the big three that will not be working out this week. Obviously, with Tua, it's pretty obvious. You know, he's still recovering from that scary hip injury. We hope that he makes a full recovery there and that he's ready to go before the season at some point to resume football activities. But we just don't know at this point. It's, it's, it's a very big mystery at this stage in the process. And then Joe Burrow and Chase Young, I mean, it really makes no sense for those two to work out because they have nothing else to prove. Those are going to be the number one and number two overall pick in this draft. I don't think they have anything to prove at an event like the Combine here. If anything, all they would do is reduce their stock if they don't perform up to their lofty expectations. So I think it's smart for them to not participate in the drills at this point, just meet with teams and uh, go through the medicals and all that stuff. And then speaking of medicals, we have some guys that won't be participating due to injury. You have uh, Javon Kinlaw, uh, defensive tackle out of South Carolina, and then Josh Uche, outside linebacker from Michigan. Both were at the Senior Bowl. Both played very well at the Senior Bowl and improved their stock there. So I don't think those two had too much to prove anyway, but those are very athletic players, both of them. So it would have been fun to see them at the combine at the very least. Yeah, Kinlaw was actually the one of the guys I was looking forward to most to seeing. But, you know, it's there's a lot of things more important than dancing around in your underwear at the combine for these guys that are a little banged up. Yeah, definitely, especially for a guy like Kinlaw who's going to be probably a top 15 pick anyway. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, his his draft status and stock is pretty much secure at this point. All he can do is, you know, maybe increase a, a couple draft spots here and there. But, you know, I, I think his spot in this draft is pretty much secured. And then some other guys that aren't going to be participating this week are going to be on uh, some, some of the players on LSU from this past year's national championship team. You look at Grant Delpit, safety, uh, Kalevon. Chase Chason, I think I got that name right. Um, and then Thaddeus Moss, tight end, the son of Randy Moss. Uh, what are your takeaways from those three guys not participating at the, at the combine this week? Um, Grant uh, Delpit, he's. I thought he was always the the top safety of this draft class, so I feel like he's relatively safe in that regards. But he was banged up all of this season, so I wonder if. Um, that's missing the combine is going to raise an extra red flag for some of these teams who aren't able to see if he's fully recovered from this off or this season's injuries. Um, Thaddeus Moss, I think he just has to hide how mediocre he is. I don't think he's a draftable player. I mean, yes, he's skilled, but he's not big. He's not strong and he's not fast. So, It'll be interesting to see. I feel like he's kind of just banking off. He had a big game against Clemson, and he won a national championship, and his father's Randy Moss. And he's just going to see where those factors are going to 
get him drafted, which props to you because if he's going to be in the NFL, now's the time to do it for him. Yeah, I'm kind of with you there on Moss. You know, he measured in, I think, below six foot one, which is extremely short for a tight end, especially uh, if you're looking for a tight end to be a red zone threat in today's NFL. You know, he's not a great athlete, doesn't really move very well. I will say he's got very good hands. He's a very nice possession receiver in mm-hmm. the short game. So if you're a team looking for a, a, you know, a reliable blocker and a guy that can be a check down option for you in the passing game, kind of like a, a, a very poor man's version of Jason Witten for the Cowboys for so many years, maybe Moss could be that type of player. He could be a 2020 Jason Witten. He couldn't be a 2015 <laughs> Jason Witten. <laughs> <laughs> But they just paid him $5 million to do that. So that is a role in the NFL. Yeah. Well, I think with Wynn, a lot of that was legacy with him being a cowboy and all that stuff. But, you know, staying on topic here, you know, Moss, like I I, I kind of agree with you. I don't know if I'd say he's undraftable, but I think there is a role for him as a day three player. I I, I think he's a guy that, you know, there's a lot of guys on draft Twitter that are, higher on him than me they think of him as one of the top tight ends in his class and I don't see it I think he's you know kind of unremarkable in terms of his upside so he might have a role in the NFL we'll see what happens I, I kind of agree with you there that he might be you know by not participating in the combine and the drills that he might be hiding a little bit from scouts um, to show that you know that he isn't really the greatest athlete whatsoever um, so that's kind of definitely something to keep in mind here for Moss going forward. It's kind of something uh, that I think a lot of teams are going to take note of as well when it comes to uh, evaluating him in this process. But I wanted to touch on Chason a little bit here because I felt like Chason could have actually raised his stock a little bit with a great combine because Chason's a guy that you didn't get a lot of sacks in college, wasn't the most productive guy per se in terms of the numbers, but his stock is very much based on his traits as a prospect. He's got that prototypical length, size, explosiveness, speed, bend, all that stuff that you're looking for an edge player in today's NFL, he has that. So I felt like if he would have killed it this week at the Combine, he might have put himself in the top 10 conversation, I feel like, in the draft. And now he might just be a mid to late first round type of player at this point in the process. Yeah, I mean, he's a – Everyone says he's a physical specimen, and he did make an impact on those games. He was he was pressuring the quarterback, but on his entire career, he has less than 10 sacks. So you really would think some of these less statistical players would be itching a little more to get in the combine. Well, I mean, that's what we saw with, uh, you know, going back to a Bears example with Leonard Floyd. You know, that's kind of what got him in the discussion for a top 10 pick and eventually a top 10 pick with the Bears was, you know, he had a good combine, showed that he could run fast, that, you know, he was very agile in space for a guy of his size and length. You know, that's something that, you know, some of these teams, especially three, four teams are going to be looking for in these edge rushers at this mm-hmm. point. Um, moving on here, though, I think, uh, you know, moving on from the guys that won't be participating in the combine, um, looking ahead to some of the guys that, we're most excited to see at the combine this week. I think for me, the biggest thing I'm looking at is the speed battle at wide receiver between, you know, the top three guys I can think of here, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Rager, and KJ Hamler, who I've identified as the three fastest players in this draft class, at least at wide receiver. I'm really excited to see what happens there in the 40 yard dash for these three guys, because um, it's very possible that, 
all three of them could challenge uh, the record for the fastest 40 time in the 40-yard dash. Yeah, all three of them are going to be in the four twos. It's just whether – I don't know if they can get to John Ross's four two two. Mm-hmm. But I do think that we're probably going to get a four-two-five out of this class, and it'll be interesting. And the wheels on some of these guys are unbelievable. I don't know if you saw the the viral video that went around earlier this week, and it was um, Alabama. They had the DBs race the wide receivers, mm-hmm. and it was unbelievable because those Alabama defensive backs they are unbelievably fast and they just got torched by the Alabama wide receivers because those guys could be legitimate sprinters. Oh yeah. No, they, Henry Ruggs and Rager at at the very least, they could be, and and Jerry Judy as well. They could be, like you said, they could be Olympic sprinters. I think those guys have legitimate burner speed. And Mm -hmm. I've been hearing some rumors here that, a lot of people, a lot of scouts expect Henry Ruggs in particular to not only run in the four twos, he might even run in the four ones um, wow. when it's all said and done. Like, he's got that type of speed. Um, and it was funny. I, I heard a quote from Jalen Rager at the Combine. They asked him about Henry Ruggs and trying to go for John Ross's record. And Jalen Rager basically kind of said matter of fact that, oh, yeah, I, I'm faster than Henry Ruggs. I'll, if he breaks it, I'll, be, I'll beat him. Basically. Yeah. It, the amount of speed and athleticism in this draft class at wide receiver is, is just ridiculous. I, I think KJ Hamler for Penn State, you know, he's a, he's a kind of a smaller guy at five foot six, 180 pounds, but he's got that type of those wheels as well too. He's he's very fast. He he might be a guy that kind of sneaks up on uh, Rugs and Regor as as the fastest wide receiver in this class. If you're looking for a speedster near the top of this draft, you have plenty of options. I think. And that's one of the most exciting parts of this draft is that wide receiver position. There's a lot of speed and talent at, at that spot. It's it's crazy. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I think uh, a lot of people have seen the success of A.J. Brown, who I had him as my number one wide receiver last year. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people ended up, he ended up dropping in the draft because people weren't emphasizing slot receiver. Mm-hmm. And – while you can't be as much of a game breaker in the slot, unless you're Tyree Kill, but they do have a huge impact. And I think as a rookie, your chance to make the biggest impact on an offense would be a, be a field-stretching slot wide receiver who just you, – you pull the safety away, and that opens up the field for your other wide receivers. And if the safety doesn't go, then you're going to end up in the end zone. Yeah, that, that fits K.J. Hamler to a T. That's, that, that was his role at Penn State, and that's what, he, what he's going to be in the NFL. And I could also see a guy like Brandon Ayuk from Arizona State kind of having a, a similar role, although he's not quite the, the deep threat that those guys, other three players are, but he's very explosive after the catch. He's probably going to be running a 4-3, 4-4-40 as well. Uh, just mm-hmm. it's crazy how much speed is there at wide receiver. But in terms of some other players that – uh, I'm looking forward to as well. I'm looking at some of the small school guys that I think could very well see their draft stock skyrocket after this combine by testing very well. You know, our, our guy Adam Troutman is going to be a guy that's very interesting in the tight end position because he's already measured in there at 6'6", 255. And if he can run in the four five, four sixes, uh, he might be the first tight end off the board. 
uh, with that type of a performance at the combine. Yeah, and he's he's saying all the right things. He's he's been awesome in his media. I I saw some clips of him today, and teams are asking him about his best memories and what his favorite part about football is. And all of them, he was saying that. His, his favorite thing is blocking and getting his nose to the grindstone and how he'd rather block and open up a hole for a teammate to score a touchdown than to be the one to catch it, which that means a little extra when you scored over 20 touchdowns. That's, that's something that, that means something. Yeah. I, I've always loved that about Trout. And he seems like a guy that wants to be a, you know, all around tight end, not just the receiving threat out there um, with the blocking, with the receiving getting yards after the catch, you know, I'm really excited to see how he does the combine because, you know, I remember you, you were talking about him earlier in the year as a guy that might be a steal for the bears and, you know, on day three, and it's very possible that he could be a early second round pick at this point because his, his draft stock talk about skyrocketing. I mean, it's way up there right now and it could go even higher at this. Yeah. And he's, he's a huge physical athlete from a small school tight end named Adam. (laughs) <laughs> Except they won't have to show Ashland basketball highlights if he gets drafted in the second round. <laughs> <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be all football highlights because he, he's a football player. That's what I like about him. Um, another guy that I'm looking forward to is uh, Kyle Duggar, safety from Lenore Ryan. He was at the Senior Bowl. Uh, he was a guy I talked about there when we were previewing the Senior Bowl there. He had a pretty good week at the Senior Bowl as well. You know, I, I've been hearing some buzz that if he – Tests as well at the combine as many scouts think he will that he might move himself up into first round consideration with how athletic he is and that's incredible for being a, a division two player to be a potential first round pick as a division two player a safety come from division two mm-hmm. that is that's crazy because he is legitimate 4-4 speed at 220 pounds and if he can display that at the combine watch out because his, his draft stock might go way up there at this rate yeah I, these these smaller school guys I feel like they have the most to gain from the combine because we see them we see Adam Troutman every single game of his on film he is going to be the best athlete he's going up against he's going to be faster than all the linebackers covering him he's going to be stronger than the edge rushers coming at him but to actually measure his legitimate athleticism and seeing if he will be able to be an above average or an excellent athlete on the next level that's super important to these guys success because they didn't play the same quality of competition but if their athleticism transfers then you know that they have a much better chance of being successful on the next level yeah and then uh so with that we're gonna talk about a few more players here coming up but before we move on there we're Going to take one last break for a quick word from our sponsor. And we're back here at Picks for Pace. We just previewed some of the players that we're looking out for at this combine here in this week here. Um, but now at this stage, this sec- segment here uh, for this episode, we're going to take a look at some players who we think need, absolutely need a good showing at the combine this week in order to solidify their stock or raise their stock because uh, if they don't have a good showing here this week, they could see their stock go down just a little bit here in the next couple of months. You know, Alex, I'll start with you. Who's a player that you're looking out for this week who needs to have a good showing this week in order to raise his stock? 
Yeah. Uh, first one off the bat is uh, Jake Fromm. I mean, we know he's a leader. We know he was super successful in college, but he played with better weapons than everyone else. And he played, he played in front of a NFL caliber offensive line. So he does have something to prove. Um, his hand measured in at below nine inches, which is a big red flag. I, not to me, but I understand that there is some fumble issues regarding smaller hand sizes. But the main thing with me is how strong is his arm? Because right now I think, I think Jake Fromm's absolute ceiling is Teddy Bridgewater. Mm-hmm. So, and that's, that's not a bad count comp to have but if he can show up at the combine and show he has the arm strength he just didn't use it in the offense or it was run heavy risk averse so that's why but if he can show that he can unleash it and send it downfield with some accuracy then he is a real threat to to start climbing up draft boards but right now it's more of a risk to start tumbling down if he's not throwing the same distance as these other guys yeah, I, I kind of uh, describe Jake Fromm as the Alex Smith of college football. He's a smart player. He gets the job done, and uh, he can efficiently run your offense. But like you said, I mean, a lot of teams are going to value that in the second round of this draft. But if he wants to push his way up to that first-round consideration, which I'm not sure he is a first-round talent, I, I personally wouldn't select him in the first round. Um, you know, he has to show that he has that arm strength in order to make the throws, especially when it comes to the bears uh, in Chicago, it gets, when it gets late in the year, it's, it's going to get windy. It's going to get cold. It's going to get wet and snowy and rainy. You got to have a big arm in order to, uh, you know, cut through the wind and make it work there because, you know, if you don't, then it, it's just not going to work, especially in Chicago. It, it just, that's a, that's a big deal that I think uh, for these cold weather teams, that they're going to be looking at with Jake Fromm here. And, and the hand size, you know, I, I think it's funny. Joe Burrow, his hand size was measured at nine inches, and he kind of made a joke on Twitter to where he said, like, well, I might as well retire right now. You know, I have really small hands. There, there's no chance for me. I, I can't hold on to a ball. It's, there's no chance there. Um, I, I do think hand size is kind of an overrated trait in this process, but there is a precedent in, in the NFL to where – teams will look at that nine inch mark as kind of the baseline. And, and it's been shown that guys below that nine inch uh, mark for hand size haven't worked out in the NFL. So that's, that's something very concerning for Jake Fromm. And uh, we'll see how, how he plays out in the, in, the, in the combine here. If he can kind of show off that arm talent that I have major questions with at this point, but one player, one quarterback that definitely doesn't have questions about his arm talent is Jacob Eason, who, is a guy that uh, is, is he's very interesting because some guys are very high on him and some don't see him as a highly draftable player at this stage. But we know he has the arm. We know he has the size. Um, but I think teams at this stage, they have to get a feeling about what his accuracy is and how he is in front of a whiteboard in terms of the offense and being with the coaches. I mean, that's going to be – the interesting thing here for Eason at the combine, at least in my opinion. Yeah, I saw some some scouts were saying that they think that he'll leave the combine as a mid first round pick, and one of them was saying that he'd be surprised if he left as not a top fifteen pick, hmm. which is crazy to me because 
he wasn't his stats aren't that impressive and I don't like his film but I he does have he do, does have all the ability it's just whether or not he has the accuracy and the most important thing is how is he between the years is he smart is he able to lead a deep or read a defense lead a football team those are important questions and if he's going in those meetings and uh, impressing, breaking down film for teams and showing some good personality, then, yeah, he could he could really shoot up the draft board because we know that dude can throw it far. Yeah. And it's kind of that, like, old-school thinking in the NFL to where uh, coaches, they're going to see a guy with a lot of physical ability and say, you know, maybe he doesn't have it all years at this point or maybe he's not the most consistent player right now, but if I can kind of get him in here and mold him into what I want him to be, he has all the upside in the world. Uh, to be a guy that can do anything in this in the NFL. But, you know, that's kind of the line of thinking that got guys like Paxton Lynch drafted late in the first round to a guy like Jamarcus Russell drafted number one overall in the first round. Guys that, you know, maybe didn't have it all in terms of the instincts and the consistency and, um, you know, having that kind of leadership that you want from the quarterback position. But they can throw the ball 80 yards, and that's what scouts are going to lean on in terms of, some of these quarterback evaluations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, another guy who's got some question marks is uh, he's my running back, my workhorse, Jonathan Taylor. Um, he has two big ones. The one smaller one is he doesn't play particularly fast. He does have breakout speed. And I know he ran with the UW track team. So I think for his size, he's going to impress in the 40. But then another thing is just the receiving control. I know a lot of people have the questions about his hands. He did improve his statistical numbers, but he still didn't look too comfortable catching the ball. And that's something that is going to be important to see if he's a, if he's potentially sneaking into the first round or early second, or if he's going to tumble a bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, with Jonathan Taylor, I, I just came out with my first version of my big board, uh, my top 50 players in this draft. And one of the reasons why Taylor wasn't on my top 50 list for me at this point was because of that receiving ability. I just, in today's NFL, you know, you need your running backs at this stage to be a threat in the passing game. And if they're not, then, you know, I, I won't say they have no value, but their value is very low at, at this point. So, um, he's going to have to prove that he can, you know, run his routes, look, you know, very comfortable there. And of course, catching football, that's, that's going to be the biggest thing for him. Um, yeah. um, in terms of a player that I have no questions about catching the football is a uh, wide receiver T Higgins coming out of Clemson. He was the number one wide receiver for uh, Clemson this past season. He's a guy that has awesome ball skills. He's a very acrobatic big wide receiver at six foot four. Um, and while I think he plays a little bit faster than what his timing speed will be, it's going to be interesting because he's, he's, when I watch him, I don't know if he's fast or if he just is taking advantage of the fact that he's going up against really bad cornerbacks in the ACC. Because when I saw him play in the college football playoff against Ohio state and LSU, both teams having, uh, NFL ready cornerbacks and we got Jeffrey Okuda, Damon Arnett, Christian Fulton, um, he really struggled to separate and make an impact in those games. And um, how he does in the athletic testing is going to be a big deal for him if he can be, whether he's a first-round talent or a second-round talent. 
Yeah, no, I he's a guy where I frequently see him mocked at the end of the first, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being one of the first names called in the third round just because I wouldn't be surprised if he lays an egg in the 40th, but if he if he overachieves there, he's I think a lock going to the first. It's just whether or not he's able to drop a low number there. Yeah, and we'll, and we'll see. He's, he's a talented player. I think he's going to go in the first round. I think he's a good fit with, you know, for example, the Buffalo Bills who kind of need that bigger wide receiver on their team. Um, but we'll see. He's going to have to have to prove it because if you can't separate in college, you're not going to separate in the NFL. And um, that's kind of – that's going to be a big deal for him, I think. And in terms of bigger wide receivers, um, I want to talk about a guy, Chase Claypool, out of Notre Dame, who played wide receiver for them, more of a, a bigger wide receiver Notre Dame, but he's a bit too slow to play the position in the NFL. And there was a lot of talk going into the combine of oh, is this guy, he's a bit of a tweener. Uh, he played at 220 in college, but could he bulk up a little bit and play tight end maybe? And that's what he did in the combine. He bulked up to 238 pounds at the weigh-in. And that would kind of put him in the mold of what you see in modern day receiving tight ends, similar to that of an Evan Ingram uh, or Noah Fant, for for instance. And uh, if he tests well in the in the athletic department and shows that putting on that weight didn't impact his speed or his quickness, um, he could see his stock rise a little bit too. Because this tight end class doesn't have the most talent at the top, but there is quite a bit of depth later in the later rounds of the draft, and he's a guy that could go from you know, a guy that we're thinking of as a sixth or seventh round draft pick to maybe a guy that goes a little bit earlier on day three. And he's especially intriguing for the Bears because he would kind of fill that U tight end role uh, that Trey Burn has kind of struggled to stay healthy at years. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Alan Lazard because mm -hmm. Alan at Iowa State, it was just interesting watching him preseason every year start up as a high draft prospect and then tumble down as it got closer to the combine and you know both of them they 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 have the physical traits they're bigger they got a great catch radius they can, they can catch the ball both are solid route runners as well but they just don't have the breakout speed for the NCAA which means you definitely don't have the speed for the pros and I, I think he could play that modern-day receiving-only tight end that kind of Jimmy Graham brought to this world. Mm -hmm. But also, I think he could play a current Alan Lazard role where he plays out of the slot, he's a wide receiver only, but he's not expected to do the same routes that the Allen Robinsons of the world do. Yeah, kind of dominate the middle of the field, uh, play slants a little bit, be more of that possession, uh, bigger wide receiver in the red zone. And he's also a pretty good blocker, too. He's kind of shown that, you know, he can block on the edge there in space. That's something that the Bears can do as well. You know, he's not going to be an inline guy, but if you get him out space on screens and you know, on those runs towards the edge on tosses or stretch plays, he's got some potential there as well. And uh, that's something that the Bears could utilize, uh, you know, for them if, if they decide to go in that direction in the draft. Um, one, one last player I wanted to touch on before we end up here is uh, Tyler Johnson, wide receiver from Minnesota. Um, you know, I was very interested going into this week to see how he would test athletically, athletically because 
that was his biggest question mark as a prospect. You know, he's a guy that's a, a very solid route runner. He's got very good hands. He's got a very good feel for playing the position. But he just doesn't really stand out whenever I watch him athletically. And that might be an issue in terms of separating in the NFL. And what's concerning to me here is that he isn't, he's decided not to run the 40 yard dash for when the wide receivers work out. And that tells me that he knows he's going to run a bad time. And that he's kind of scared to put that out there for scouts. So um, when you combine that with the fact that he declined to compete in the East West Shrine game and wasn't invited to the senior bowl, or I think I might switch to have either way, he declined to play in one of the all-star events late in the season and wasn't invited to the other one. Um, it, it, kind of gives me some bad vibes uh, in terms of his draft stock because he's a guy that I know a lot of a lot of people uh, that I talk to on draft Twitter are very high on him and uh, they think he's going to be a very good pro but uh, it, it's not looking good for his draft uh, his draft prospects at this point. Yeah I mean he was definitely one of the the better wide receivers if not the best wide receiver in the in the Big Ten but I, I agree with you. I don't think he has the the breakaway capability to be better than a wide receiver three on a team, which is surprising. But, I mean, I, I say that, but I watched that kid play, and he's special. He's talented. He has just great ball skills. He runs very crisp routes. Mm -hmm. But – speed is an issue and it will be a bigger issue when everyone is faster in the next level. Yeah. Because I, I wouldn't say that, you know, the quarterbacks and, and defensive backs in the big 10 are necessarily the greatest athletes in the world. Um, you know, you see more of those athletic guys in the sec uh, for example, and you see a lot more bigger, stiffer quarterbacks in the big 10. And, you know, he's able to get, to get by those guys and get a little bit of separation there against those bigger uh, more physical quarterbacks in the in the Big Ten, but you know that's not what you're going to see in the NFL. You're getting the best of the best in terms of athletes at the position in in the NFL with better technique and a better ability to uh, anticipate what routes he's running. So the fact that you know he wasn't the greatest separator in college, it's going to be tough for me to see him separate in the NFL because again I've said it before, you know we've seen guys like Laquan Treadwell in the past or. Uh, Josh Dobson, you know, guys that are talented players in college who can make those contested catches or very good possession wide receivers. But if you're not able to get away from defensive backs and man-to-man -man coverage, you're not going to have a very fruitful career in the NFL because uh, that's just that's just the name of the game. Yep. And that's it's going to be tough. But we'll see how he how he tests athletically elsewhere because he could he could help or hurt his draft stock depending on how he performs in some of the other tests at the combine. Maybe he should bulk up to 240 like Claypool and see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That, that might not be a bad idea. <laughs> we'll see about that. Um, uh, so with that, I think uh, that should conclude our time here for this episode. We've talked about a lot of prospects in this, in this episode here. Uh, thank you for tuning in with us here at Picks for Pace, Bears fans and draft enthusiasts alike. Uh, we look forward to an exciting week ahead of us at the NFL Scouting Combine. Really looking forward to seeing these guys in action uh, when the workouts come on later this week. And we're going to be talking about a lot more in terms of the NFL draft, which is quickly approaching in the upcoming months. So we're, upcoming months, so we're really looking forward to that. Uh, thanks again for watching, uh, for tuning in here at Picks for Pace. Yep, thanks, guys. I look forward to talking to you next week. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns.
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.